0: Welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLMS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth, and we are going to take your questions today. So as we get some people in here, as we get some questions in the chat, we will discuss some of the latest buzz around the Patriots vacant offensive coaching staff. You don't even have to say coordinator anymore, Alex. You can just say the whole coaching staff is vacant right? at the moment, and we can start there, and then we can talk uh, whatever you guys want to talk about. This is essentially your agenda to set. So go ahead and drop those questions in the chat. We'll start the conversation here, though, Alex. I think what has spearheaded a lot of the – Talk this week about the Patriots offensive coaching staff was Mike Reese over the weekend in his notes column saying that he is hearing from league personnel that the Patriots and Bill Belichick could move Matt Patricia over to offense. So the Patriots and Reese's Intel would have a former defensive coordinator and a former special teams coordinator running their offense. It's getting to the point where if all of these things are actually true, and this is where the Patriots are headed with Patricia and Joe Judge and Nick Cayley and Troy Brown kind of running this ship offensively, it's getting harder and harder not to press the panic button uh, on this being the direction of the team right now.
1: Yeah, so um, my colleague Scott Zolak at 98.5 laid this out today of what the coaching staff could look like. <clears throat> Excuse me. Nick Cayley as uh, being promoted from tight ends coach to quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator. Joe Judge is the tight ends coach, co-running game coordinator. Matt Patricia is also a co-running game coordinator. He'd be the offensive line coach. And then you have Troy Brown coaching wide receivers. I just will throw out Matt Patricia's first jo- jobs, plural, in New England. He was an offensive assistant in 2004 and then the assistant offensive line coach in 2005 before becoming the linebackers coach in 2006. So it's not like he he's never coached offense, right? It's just been two right. decades. <laughs> yeah. I texted you about this yesterday and I, if, yeah. if anybody in the chat has it, I, I really couldn't, I wasn't going to dedicate hours to searching. I probably could have tried harder, but I, I couldn't find it in my searching. Has a coach ever been, both an offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, like defined at different parts in their career. I'm not talking about a head coach who called offense and defense. I'm talking about a coach who was titled offensive coordinator and then titled defensive coordinator in two separate stints. And yeah. that sounds alarming. Look, I think that it would be interesting. I think there are some unique advantages in that in terms of self-scouting point of view. You, a defensive right. coordinator is going to know better than a lifelong offensive coach what the other defensive coordinators thinking. That's why the Patriots rotate their staff around so much. Josh McDaniel started on defense, right? Before yeah. he coached offense. That being said, like fully dedicated, I don't know how that would work, but if anybody's going to try that, if it hasn't happened before, and again, maybe it has, I couldn't find it, but feel free to correct me. I If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, if anybody's going to try it, I would think it would be Bill.
0: Yeah, it's funny because you always fall back on, this is Bill freaking Belichick we're talking about, right? He, Bill is 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 such a proven commodity is even putting it, selling it short. I don't even know what other use to, word to use besides uh, just the greatest of all time that you think everything that he does is probably going to find a way of working itself out. But at the same time, I think what concerns me the most about this approach is that you got a lot, again, Same as with the defensive side of the ball in some ways, you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, right? Who's the guy that's actually running the ship offensively? Because if it's Matt Patricia's the O-line coach slash run game coordinator and Nick Caley's the quarterback's coach slash pass game coordinator and maybe Caley's the one that's actually calling the plays and Joe Judge is in there too, overseeing everything and coaching a position, coaching tight ends, coaching wide receivers, whatever the case may be who is actually in charge on the offensive side of the ball. And if you're the Patriots, the last thing that you want is Mac Jones to have a million different opinions thrown at him, right? You don't want the quarterback, especially in his second year to be sitting there and saying, well, Joe judge just told me this. Now Matt is telling me that and Nick is calling this on game day. What am I thinking? Where are we? What are we doing? The lack of organization, I think, is more of a concern than maybe football brainpower, if you will, right? Like, I think that those three guys have a a lot of football experience and knowledge, but at the end of the day, you have to have one head chef. And right now, it feels like on both sides of the ball, they got a bunch of sous chefs, but they have no idea who's actually in charge.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, because you're going to have – And and like you said, these guys are all great football minds. That means they're probably going to have varying opinions. Right. You need, and maybe it's Bill, but now Bill's wearing a lot of hats. Right. But you need somebody who at the end of the day is going to say definitively, this is what we're doing or this is what we're not doing. Right. And, you know, who is, who is at the end of that chain? And is it, you know, kind of what's been reported on defense. It was one guy during the week and then one guy on Sundays. I just don't think that that's a, a, a healthy way to operate. And now you're looking at maybe that being the case on offense as well. So
0: So I want to talk about Bill O'Brien too, because there's been a lot of theories floated out there. This one on paper for Bill O'Brien's sake, if you believe what you want to believe about him in terms of his interest of coming back to the NFL and the Patriots obviously have a gigantic need for Bill O'Brien to come back to the NFL. But yet here we sit on February 17th and this is still not done. He's still not the offensive coordinator of the Patriots. And according to Nick Saban, Saban is under the impression that he's coming back to Alabama. And and there's really no. uh,
1: Nick Saban says a lot of things, although for what it's worth, Scott Zolak said today that he, so he was very specific about how he said it. He doesn't believe Bill O'Brien would be the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Right. Sort of, I I don't want to put words in his mouth. He sort of emphasized offensive coordinator. So I can't think of any other role he
0: would come back in. Uh, Meaning like, Qu- quarterbacks yeah. coach slash associate head coach, maybe, or something like that. right is associate head coach over it, it would be coordinator. like I don't know. Right? I, I don't know either. I from everything that I have gathered on Bill O'Brien, the impression that I get is that Bill Belichick has an unwritten rule that he doesn't like to poach coaches from other team staffs in general. And then you add onto that layer, that it's poaching from his best friend in football, Nick Saban. And I think the number one thing here isn't money. It's not power or control of the roster. It's not that the Patriots don't want Bill O'Brien and Bill O'Brien doesn't want the Patriots. It's that Bill is not going to backstab Nick and take his offensive coordinator from him unless Nick Saban gives his, sign of approval you know and says to bill o'brien go right you know you want to be in the nfl you want to be with the patriots go so until that happens the patriots are preparing for that not to happen right if in a couple weeks in a month uh, bill o'brien and nick saban work something out and they're able to get over that hurdle then the patriots would welcome it with opening arms, but for now they have to operate like it's not gonna happen because there's no other options, right? There there's really nothing else that they can do. But the Belichick Sabin connection has afforded a lot of really good things for the Patriots in the past, right? Like they have Mac Jones, partially because of that connection. They have Dante Hightower and Christian Barmore and Damian Harris and all these good players that have funneled from Alabama uh, to the pro ranks with the Patriots and not to mention all the coaching and schematic advantages that those two have mustered up together in the lab working together, but it's kind of an interesting conundrum uh, and an interesting Uh, kind of contrast here that it could be that relationship and the fact that they are best friends that is preventing Bill O'Brien from coming here and being the offensive coordinator for the Patriots.
1: Yeah. And that there's nothing you can do at that point, right?
0: You got to wait, I guess, for his contract to run out or whatever,
1: but I'll
0: go back to year contract. So his contract runs out after this season. So if he so chooses once he's a free agent, essentially in the coaching world, I guess he could potentially come back next year for, to the Patriots instead of this year.
1: I would think though, if Bryce Young wins another Heisman and assuming he stays healthy, there's probably a pretty good chance that that happens. Yeah. He's going to get some very, very lucrative head coaching offers in the college ranks. Yeah. Yeah. uh, If you really want Bill O'Brien to be the offensive coordinator of the Patriots or at any point, you got to root hard against Alabama this year. I'll just throw that out there. But Thank you. Somebody reiterated my point in the uh, in the comments, and I think it's a good one. I'll just go back to it since we're having this conversation. At this point, outside of Bill O'Brien, I'm not too worried about the offensive coordinator. To me, I you know, somebody, whether it's Judge or Kaylee, and those feel like the two leaders in the clubhouse, I mean, maybe Matt Patricia. Uh,
0: right. Somebody's going
1: to call the plays at this point. Somebody's yeah. going to call the plays, and again, outside of O'Brien, I don't think the offense is going to change. I don't think naming or bringing in an offensive coordinator changes much at this point. To me, the biggest question, staffing-wise, the Patriots have to answer right now, or not right now, but in the coming weeks, is a dedicated quarterbacks coach. Yeah. And I think Nick Kaley's a good football mind, but somebody who's done it before. Right. Somebody who knows what they're doing. You can't play, and not Adam Gase. You can't I mean, play insane. games with, I have to throw that disclaimer on there because yeah. it's true. Yeah. You can't play games with Mac Jones' development. You just can't right. do it. You just cannot do it. Or we're going to be sitting here in November talking about Phil Dracovic. So I, and I like Mac. I do, but it's, it's the nature versus nurture thing, right? All these quarterbacks. And we saw it plain as day this year, more than any other year. Trevor Lawrence is better than what we saw in Jacksonville, but the coaching staff random was a mess. Mac, good player, but he had a good support staff that helps too. So I, I think getting somebody to work one-on-one with Mac Jones. And I've seen people say, you know, bringing Hoyer back as the backup quarterback Maybe that's part of it, and that certainly would help. Um, uh, But they they need somebody working with Mac Jones, dedicated on working with Mac Jones.
0: Yeah, so there you have it. That's kind of resetting the table about the Patriots' latest on the offensive coaching staff. I heard those uh, – I guess we can call them reports from Zolak. I know he always likes to throw things out there that his little birdies are telling him. I don't know what he wants us to call them, but we can call them reports about Bill O'Brien potentially being out. I wanted to bring up the Nick Saban, Bill Belichick thing, because I think ultimately that's what's the biggest roadblock right now. And Bill O'Brien coming back to the Patriots has nothing to do with Bill O'Brien's lack of interest or the Patriots lack of interest in Bill O'Brien, but more to do with the just coaching. uh, I don't even know what the word is, just connections, right? Friendships and relationships. So I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just Use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your source for hockey boxing and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games bet online is your number one online wagering destination bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts. That that's the reset there. Uh, Dexter here can kick us off with this question. Alex off the heels of what you were just talking about the Patriots. We feel we both are in agreement that a quarterback's coach, an external hire, most likely is a right way to go. I actually would really like to see if it's not bill O'Brien. I would like to see Nick Kelly get a chance to call the plays. If he is this rising star in their coaching ranks, Right. We've seen this work before in other places where all of a sudden this guy that wasn't really getting a ton of attention comes out of the woodwork, Josh McDaniels, in his terrific play caller and offensive mind, right? So if, right. Nick, if they feel that strongly about Nick Cayley, I have no problems with them giving him a try uh, this season. But he is not a quarterback's coach. He's a tight ends coach by trade. He's been a tight ends coach for a very long time, a uh, John Carroll University guy as well. So the Patriots have pretty good luck with those John Carroll, you guys. So maybe that's another angle to this, but quarterbacks coach kicking this uh, off here on the Q and a, who are the best QB coaches out there that the Patriots could potentially make a pitch to and get, I threw out Jerry Szaplinski on Tuesday, He's a coaching free agent. I just mentioned that I don't think Bill Belichick is going to poach from other staffs if he if he doesn't have to. So a guy like Zach Robinson, unless he gets passed over out in Los Angeles, is an interesting name just because the Patriots drafted him and they have some uh, history with him. Sean McVay and Bill Belichick have a little bit of a relationship, too. So I suppose if Zach Robinson's not McVay's guy to replace Kevin O'Connell, then maybe that could happen. But who are some other names? If there are any that you have, I know we don't have to go down the Adam Gase route again. That's that's yeah. really the only other one I can think of. So is there, is there anybody else I'm not thinking of?
1: Uh, somebody in the comments brought it up on Tuesday, Josh McCown. Yeah. It'd be a very interesting one. I think you look at just kind of the way I think Mac responded to Hoyer. And I, Brian Hoyer's is not going to be the, the, the quarterbacks coach. He's just not because it's like you're taking a zero out of what he's getting paid, right? right. Quarterbacks coaches get paid a 10th of what backup quarterbacks do. And right. if they go to him and say, we want you to be the quarterbacks coach, he'll say, or are you going to make me the high, essentially the highest paid coach on the staff, right? They, right. He's going to say, I'll be the backup again. And I'll make my, whatever it was close to a million dollars. Um, by the way, working, you know, much better hours, all of that. So that, that all being said, I think the way Mac responded to Hoyer, I would look at recent retirements Yeah, in guys that like, I don't my know. Tom is, Brady. Not happening. Ta- no, no, no. Well, it, it would be a lower. I knew profile that, that guy. was, was going to go as soon as No, that's, I, no, no, no. I wasn't going to say Tom Brady. I, yeah. the, the one stretch, the one stretch I would put out there, I would call Drew Brees because he is horrible on television. And I'm going to guess he's going to find that out sooner rather than later. If I'm him, I'm leaving on my own accord. I'm not waiting to get the boot. And I wonder if maybe, cause there, it, it, I think breeze would have a lot to teach Mac. Right. I do. I think there's some similarity. That would be the ultimate stretch. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but yeah. I think you look at Josh McCown. I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick's officially retired. If he'd want to get into coaching, he's another guy I look at. Um, I'm just, It's hard to tell sometimes with these, like, career backups because you don't know when they retire. They just sort of stay free agents. Like Matt Castle likes to joke he never officially retired. So I'd have to look at, you know, what other backup quarterbacks have been in the league. But I would just kind of start calling those guys. Start calling the guys who retired in the last year or two um, and try to find somebody maybe of a similar profile to Mac who could come in and work with them. So I, I don't, know I'm missing an obvious name. I don't know if you have it. I feel like I'm missing somebody very. Well,
0: Shaplinsky is the obvious name to me, right? Well, no, I mean from that from that like retired that quarterback backup story. quarterback retired club. I'd have to think about it a little harder. I don't know if you missed it. That many names, Brian Hoyer. You mentioned the salary discrepancy, right? In terms of uh, being a backup quarterback versus being a coach. I'd also put in there the hours in the building. And the huge difference that you have in terms of being a coach where during the season, you could be pulling 120 hour work weeks during the football season players, especially a backup quarterback, not coming anywhere close to that. And you're making a fraction of the contract, a veteran minimum salary for a quarterback as tenured as Brian Hoyer has got to be over 1.1, $1.2 million a year. He's not sniffing that as a quarterback's coach on Bill Belichick's staff. So for time reasons, for money reasons, as long as the Patriots are willing to give Brian Hoyer a roster spot, there's zero incentive whatsoever for Brian Hoyer to go into coaching. None. Because he's essentially a coach already, right? And I think that's the way that they're kind of looking at it in a way. I agree that they still need to get another guy in there to help with the coaching of the quarterbacks but that's why i throw out a name like chaplinsky just because he's been there done that here in new england and is an easy transition where hoyer i think is really going to be a guy behind the scenes that's pulling a lot of strings with mac jones he at this point probably knows the patriots offensive playbook better than anybody in the building now that josh mcdaniels is gone so I think that Hoyer is already kind of your de facto assistant quarterbacks coach or however you want to put it. But. Oh, that's not, you know, that that's not enough. Right. That, that That's not enough. I, I don't think still.
1: Right. I'll give you two more names here. Cause I just pulled up the list of yeah. uh, backup quarterbacks. Neither of these, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice today. Neither of these guys are officially retired, but I mean, Colt McCoy feels like could yep. be done. He'd be an interesting one. And Look, Chase Daniels got the best gig in football. His career earnings are like, a, I think he's been paid more for pa- per pass attempt than any quarterback in NFL history. It's something like that. He's the real life Alex Moran. But he's thirty five. Maybe he walks away and look, he he was just with Herbert with the Chargers. That could be interesting. So, yeah, I I said I want Tim Jenkins as offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I love, I love the way Tim views the game. I get Tim in here absolutely. I, I and then we can get pj walker there.
0: to come in and be the backup i got pj i love it tim jenkins we're calling you man let's get him on the phone I, I i don't hate it all right another name in the offensive coaching ranks i do want to point out that there was an article written about eric enemy and patrick mahomes today with sourced information that has since been deleted off the website that it was posted on so i think about ninety. 9.9% of what was written in that article was absolute crap. So don't go off of well, what, so was, what was it. I didn't see the that. article was talking about a deteriorating relationship between Patrick Mahomes and Eric B And the fact is the AFC championship game, the way it ended. It's easy to pray some sort of Hollywood story about how the two of them got into it, had a fight, you know, had a disagreement about the play calls, you know, that sort of thing. So, Biennami was calling the plays last season for Kansas City with Andy Reid giving input, right? I think it's a similar setup for Steve Belichick with Bill, right? You know, you call right. the plays 99% of the time, but when I want something in particular or I want to correct something in particular, I, I speak my voice. And I think that's the same thing with Kansas City. Bienemy's contract is expired. I don't think it's all sunshines and rainbows between him and Patrick Mahomes at the moment. I don't think that means that it's as fiery or as scripted as what that article that was deleted made it sound. But I don't think that that relationship is as strong as it once was. I've talked about the having a different, uh, a language barrier in football language, not an actual language, a football language barrier from the West coast offense to an EP system You're talking about an offense with West Coast concepts that will call plays by route, right? So they'll say Z slant X this, you know, Y that the Patriots might call that play more conceptually where they would use words to marry concepts so that the entire offense knows what they're doing. A very different play calling formula. So as much as I love bien the football mind, and think that he could help the Patriots on that side of the ball, it would be a big, big learning curve for bien to then get himself used to and entrenched in the Patriots' way of speaking from a football perspective. He's been with Andy Reid for a decade. I, I think he was with Andy Reid with the Eagles too. So That sounds he, right. Yeah. yeah, he's been with Andy Reid for a very, very long time and in a completely different offense.
1: Completely unrelated, but you mentioned the unfound reports. I just want to bring this up. Did you see the Marquise Brown stuff that's going around?
0: Yeah, the gaming stuff. If he yes. retires,
1: what is it, three years in to be a video game player? I mean, the top of that draft with him and Nikhil and then everybody else <laughs> terrible, unbelievable. Like, yeah. I, I look, as much as we rag on Nikhil, it's not like the Ravens got that pick right either. I right. just think that's unbelievable. Beyond Nikhil and Harry and the Patriots,
0: how that Bollywood wide receiver draft has played out produced decently well. I think he has two thousand yard uh, receiving seasons in his first three years. So he definitely had a, close to a thousand last year too. And then if he I,
1: walks away,
0: I, fair point. But he's I mean, had
1: one thousand yard year. He had 580, 770, and he okay. had a thousand eight yards this past season.
0: Okay, so he's getting better and better each year too. On top of that, so yes. Uh, well the right. Ravens offense is evolving, but anyway, fair enough. Let's talk about wide receivers. Let's let's talk about sure. this scenario here painted about Braxton Barrios coming back to the Patriots. He's said publicly on Barstool Sports how much Bill Belichick liked him and had a tough time cutting him a few years ago. Barrios is now a free agent, UFA does feel like a Belichick move to we're all looking at Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson and Michael Gallup. And he goes with the bargain by and Braxton Berrios so it, it just to kick off a, a, longer discussion about wide receivers and things like that. But how, how do you feel about Berrios? I could see it. I mean, I still he's more of a slot guy in their system. I don't know that, you know, Here's so yeah,
1: right. So he's splitting with Myers And I don't hate the idea of getting somebody with a little more run after catch acumen to split time with Jacoby. You know, that's where when we talk about the draft guys like sky Moore come in. Right. But yeah, I, that can't be their premier move. That can't be like, I don't hate the concept. And I think as much as I love Gunner, if you're going to keep him as that fifth wide receiver, I think getting more offensive production out of your fifth wide receiver is going to make a difference. Now, If they add, you know, a Chris Godwin and then draft like a Wandale Robinson, now you really don't need Gunner to play receiver. And Gunner is the better returner, so you probably stick with him there. I I don't hate the move in a bubble. I just don't know that it's the best asset allocation, right? Okay, so you slightly upgraded Gunner as your fifth wide receiver, who's essentially your fourth or fifth wide receiver at this point. Like, if they pay him short money, whatever, it's fine. I think Barrios is a good player, but he doesn't add what they need, right? And I think that's yeah. – it's it's beyond just adding guys. They have a bunch of guys who play wide receiver the way they want wide receiver played. Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, right? They need to go get somebody who adds to that group, who adds another dynamic to that group. Barrios is a good player for what he is, but I, I don't think he adds anything that they don't have right now.
0: Okay, so let's step it up a notch from Braxton Barrios because I agree that he's just another wide receiver three, maybe a wide receiver four, and fits into that room as just another guy, like a lot of those guys in that room are. Christian Kirk, do you feel like he is – I think he's a step up from Berrios. I think we're kind of moving in the right direction here, but is he a guy that you would pay $10, $11 million to, to come in a, and be a target magnet in your offense, or are you are, – are you, imagining a little bit of a higher rung than Christian Kirk even still.
1: Yeah. I mean, his, his yards after catch per reception is three yards, or that's what it was last year. And it's yeah, not a big,
0: on. their scheme doesn't set him up that much for yards after the catch. It was better earlier on in his career. It's, I was going to
1: say it's, it's decreased every single year, it went from five, two to four, two to three, six to
0: three. Right. So. I, I think that he is somebody that has more potential in that regard, he was an explosive player in college, right? He was somebody that yeah could really move and could return kicks too, return kicks, return punts, things like that as well. So I think he is somebody that can create with the ball in his hands. I like the fit if they didn't have Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and all these other guys right. here already. You know, it's just tough because they're looking for something that will elevate the rest of that group. I think Christian Kirk is a little bit better than those players, but he's not – World's better that it changes the complexion of your offense. It just adds a little bit more juice to it potentially. So,
1: right. So here's the thing: we're basically with these players with Barrios, with Kirk, Renfro's in the chat is not a free agent until next year. Yeah, we're basically talking about upgrades for born and Myers. And while right. I think you can upgrade on Bourne and Myers, I don't think you need to. I think those are legitimate second and third wide receivers. The guy you need to find the upgrade for is Nelson Aguilar. Now. Finding that kind of player, those kind of players are much rarer. They're more in demand. It's much harder to do. Somebody says Mike Williams in the chat. Mike yeah, next. Like those are more, Juju's his own thing. I, I don't right. think he's a fit with the Patriots. But yeah. he is that kind of player. He is that mold, that prototype. That's what the focus needs to be. I think there is room to upgrade Jacoby. That I would almost do in the draft. That's where, again, you get to John Mechie. Wandale Robinson, Sky Moore, Slade Bolden. Like there's a bunch of those guys in the draft. If you want to yeah. get another slot or upgrade the slot, you do that in the draft. They need to upgrade that X, that, that guy who's going to keep the defense honest, be a threat to take the top off. Christian Kirk's a good player. Braxton Barris is a good player. That's not what they do though. Like you can't, cause we did this last year yeah. and it's you can't just look up all the receivers that have a rating 85 or better on Madden and throw the names out there and hope one of them sticks. You know, I, so this, we're getting into deeper philosophical football conversation here. I am of the belief. And I, Evan, I don't know if we've ever actually had this conversation. I'm really interesting to hear what you think of this. Yes. I am of the belief that wide receiver is not a definitive position. Not anymore. It was at a point. And I think, and we've seen this in other positions too. I think outside receiver, and slot receiver yeah. are two different positions. And there's guys who can play both. There's certainly guys who can play both, and there's value in that. But, you, you you know, take Cooper Cup, right, versus, I don't know, A.J. Brown. They both technically play the same position, but the skill sets are completely different. So, I think as we go through this offseason, it's just something to keep in mind that last year, you kind of could throw the names out there, because they needed yeah. a full reset, and it was just get talent. Well, they've done that. Kendrick Bourne's immensely talented, and I think he's just scratching the surface. Right. You don't need to find an upgrade for 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 Kendrick Bourne. I think I just said Kendrick Brown. Kendrick Bourne. You need to find the upgrade for the other guy.
0: Yeah, so I think that they can upgrade the Z receiver spot too. The flanker, the offline guy, the Edelman, the now Jacoby Myers. Ideally, I do think that that guy might be on the roster in Kendrick Bourne. I think that they could get a better, more explosive – z option out of I board see that. He can learn the route tree and he can get more integrated into the offense next year my concern with where they're standing in that position is whether it's jacoby myers or edelman or welker or brown or branch or go right on down the history of, of the position that position is 100 plus targets automatically like you walk off the bus and you're getting 100 right. plus targets if you're the starting z receiver in the pats offense so for that player to be such a high volume option you need somebody that is an explosive playmaker, especially with their ball in the in their hands after the catch. And Jacoby Myers just doesn't bring that element. He can get open. I think he can create separation. I think he's a good route runner. I think he's extremely smart and football IQ heady. But he doesn't create big plays after the catch. And if they're going to continue to feed that role in the offense – and I think they probably will, based off of Mac Jones's skill set. They're not all of a sudden going to become a vertical outside the numbers offense with Mac Jones as the quarterback. They have to be able to get more out of that Z spot. So I look at that spot. I don't know if Mike Williams is necessarily the answer. I like Mike Williams, a talented guy, but he's eighteen plus million dollars a year on the free agent market. A lot of the time, when you look at the history of the free agent market. At that wide receiver position, paying a wide receiver in free agency does not work out very often. Right? Guys like right. Mike Williams, guys like Michael Gallup, I think those guys that are gonna be at the top of that market in this in March are guys I would personally stay away from for that reason. I don't know if they're great fits in what they need. I also don't know if they're going to be worth their price tags because they're getting out onto the open market and the prices are getting crazy because they're getting into these bidding wars. Right, It's why the Patriots just paid Johnny Smith what they just paid Johnny Smith. Is Johnny Smith really a $12 million tight end? No, but he's a $12 million tight end and unrestricted free agency. So if I'm the Pats, I'm wary of people like that. I'd much rather them go in the veteran trade market for a guy, for example, like a a, you know Calvin Ridley, who's obviously out there, or or, uh, a player like that, or draft a guy. Uh, I saw some questions about the draft. We can start to talk a lot about that a little bit here. And uh, I was absolutely shocked, Alex, when. Todd McShay did his mock draft. I don't know which version of it is, but it came I mean, out it had early to early. be one. He drafted Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from Washington, who is a, t- a talented guy. I think he's a good player, but he drafted him ahead of Chris Olave. He had the Patriots passing on Chris Olave. And I think he, they, he, they passed on Jamison Williams too, uh, to draft Kyler Gordon. If, if, Chris Olave is there for the Pats in the first round at 21. I just have a really hard time envisioning how you can justify passing on a player of that caliber. I mean, he is everything that they needed more at at that position, pure route runner, explosive off the line of scrimmage can run from multiple alignments inside outside, put him wherever you want. He is what they thought that they were hoping that they were going to get. And like when they, I think they wanted to draft Justin Jefferson. Right. I think that he would have been their pick. Right. If he had lasted to their pick, he goes to Minnesota, the pick before they trade out of the pick a couple of years before that, Calvin Ridley was on, was a question on the board, him versus Isaiah win. They went with Isaiah win. That seems to be like the golden goose that they've been chasing are those explosive route running technicians like Jefferson, like Ridley. I think Olave fits exactly in that mold. Yeah. I
1: look, I haven't, been talking a lot about Chris Olave just because I I don't see how he's on the board at 21. Yeah, I just don't see how it happens if he's there. And I've said this about Jordan Davis too. If he's there, he's the pick. I think Olave more so than Davis, uh, those would be the two guys if they fall like maybe could fall. Yeah, Olave is exactly what they need. You talk about getting more explosion out of that Z spot. I think that's Olave.
0: Yeah, he's he's a really interesting prospect to me. I I would assume that they're going to get to the combine if he does run at the combine, which I I think he probably will. If he runs in the low four fours, then he's not going to be on the board. Right. Which I I think is what is probably going to end up happening is he's going to be one of those guys that runs us. He's fast uh, on tape, but I don't know how fast. I, I don't, we have to find out how fast he truly is. Right. And when he puts up a four, four, one or a four, four, two, I think everybody's opinions on him are going to be like, all right, this is a top 20 player in, in this class. Right. And he's going to be gone. Uh, we got to shout out our friends at LinkedIn uh, here. Oh, Now we got, we got graphics on graphics and everything at the bottom of the That's screen. There dude. we go. LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn beat slash uh, LinkedIn.com slash beat. Uh, It's a new year, but it's feeling harder than ever to find and hire the qualified people you need, especially for small businesses. That's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in. They make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified then use the simple tools on linkedin jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors linkedin jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit linkedin post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat that's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free and now that we're through that we can get into some more of these questions as the fire alarm decides to go off in my apartment building do you need to go uh no this happens like once a week how loud is it it's kind of loud but like if the fire do you live on the ground floor at least yeah the second floor i'll be fine (laughs) Let's talk about some big bodied wide receivers in this draft, Alex. (laughs) Alex is very concerned. It's all right. Atlas will tell me if there's actually a fire. Uh, The Patriots did meet with some big body guys at the combine, uh, excuse me, at the Senior Bowl. Very distracting. At the Senior Bowl, Christian Watson, uh, Romeo Dobbs, another big body receiver that the Patriots met with. this is going, going to be all sorts of fun. Alex, why don't you take it from here? Uh, Christian Watson. I, I kind of like Christian Watson. I, I know that people are going to read his draft bio. They're going to see six foot three, six foot four. They're going to be super concerned. Oh boy. That's another Nikhil Harry, another Chris, uh, Chad Jackson, but he's a smooth guy. He, he runs well. He's got loose hips. He can change directions. He can run with the football in his hands. He was a really fun study.
1: Yeah. Why don't you mute yourself too. Well, while, while I'm talking here. Um, yeah, I, the, it, Watson to me, isn't really an cause he's got, he's got like a reported four, four, one, four, four, two, something like that. He ran at school. So no, he's a burner. The thing with Watson and both guys they talked to at the senior bowl are pretty similar. It was Watson. And then Romeo dubs of Nevada. They're both, they're either deep threats or screen guys, either get the ball in their hands at the line of scrimmage and, and, Let them create with the ball in their hands. You send them down the field. Dubs is 6'2", Watson's 6'5", and they're both very, very good jump ball receivers with speed, right? So they're true legitimate deep threats. There's just not much in the intermediate game. Uh, Dubs a little more polished than Watson. He's a projected third-round pick right now. Watson is fourth to fifth. Um, But that's kind of, you know, you talk about adding a dynamic the Patriots don't have. They have a lot of good intermediate receivers. Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. So adding a guy that's kind of all or nothing, right? Either take the screen at the line of scrimmage or run a go. They don't have a guy like that. So, you know, I think they're both, both dubs and Watson are worth watching. They're both guys that uh, you're going to need to watch at the combine. Pro days are going to be interesting. Like, look, Watson's still pretty raw. And just as a receiver in general, dubs is better. He's got better hands. Um, but I don't know that he's quite the route run. He's a good rat runner. I don't know that he's quite the route runner. They'll want him to be right away. Uh, but those guys are both players to watch. So like like in my mock that I did, 95thesportsup.com, you can find it. Uh, it's actually my pinned tweet as well right now. So I had them taking John Mechie and then taking Dubs. And that, I think, is where you look at those guys, where if they draft a Chris Alave, if they draft John Mechie, if they go out, they sign Chris Godwin, then adding that guy as a complimentary piece is a really good move. I don't know that either one of those guys is the guy you draft outright as like the answer. Um, and as for Traylon Burks, it's an, it's the nature versus nurture thing. I think Burks has a lot of fascinating upside, but we just saw them go through this with Nikhil Harry. Can they develop that prototype of wide receiver? Well, they couldn't do it last time around, and now the coaching staff is kind of on rocky footing. I just I, I, I don't trust them to get the most out of him as opposed to a guy like Alave, even a guy like Jahan Dotson, who I just think is more their kind of player, and they would just be able to work with better.
0: Okay, so this fire alarm is not stopping, so I'm just going to power through it here for a second. Christian Watson, you mentioned a lot of really good things about him. and the one thing I, I wanted to add to it was – I watched him at North Dakota State. They used him out of the backfield. Like, this is a player that they handed the ball off to you in a running back role. Now, I'm not saying he's Debo Samuel. I'm not saying he's going to carry the ball 10, 15 times a year. But he literally was taking handoffs, right? And that was really impressive. The other thing that I would mention about this group, Traylon Burks, really, really concerns me with the Patriots for a lot of reasons. The main reason being... I don't want to get all analytical on you, Alex, but I'm going to do it here for a second. His average depth of target was below 10 yards at the college level. Everything that he did was either over the top or it was at the line of scrimmage, right? And when that is the case, you have concerns, right? You worry about his ability to develop the rest of his route tree. He is a really explosive player. I think he's a lot faster and more explosive than somebody like Nikhil Harry, but it's not quite as much as I would like to see in terms of his route running ability. I think he's the guy that's going to win on screens and screen scheme touches behind the line of scrimmage or verticals down the field. And I, I think that they've already struck out on enough of those guys.
1: I would agree. Yeah, this show is completely off the rails. Um,
0: I, <laughs> I would agree on that. We're going to power through it. All right? We're going to do this. Oh, there- uh, I, thought, I thought it went away no no this this is gonna go on for a little while all right chase winovich i think this is a good question uh do they trade chase winovich can they find a partner for trade uh to trade chase winovich too i think is probably a better question but i i do think at this point for chase uh, for the patriots it's probably in their best interest to move on right i i don't think he's a fit here and and i think maybe there's a, a better opportunity for him elsewhere and vice versa
1: yeah, we we've talked about it. I uh, part of the problem with they they draft all these edge guys. They don't play. They just don't. They've been stuck behind Vinoy and Judon, and last year stuck behind John Simon. And you got to play players to develop them. That's the reality of it. Winovich is somebody who fits in that category. Josh who is somebody who fits in that category. I kind of thought even before they took him last year, Ronnie Perkins was kind of a red shirt sort of player. But now in year two, you got to play him. You got to have reps for him. So you have this logjam. You got to start start thinning it out. I think there would be some value in Chase Winovich. I think he's shown enough that you can get something for him. Maybe an early day three pick, something like that. Look, they don't have a ton of picks here. They only have six picks. So I could see them exploring something like that. Um, I am interested to see what Ronnie Perkins can do. And I think they need to be interested in what Ronnie Perkins can do too. I don't think you can just sit him on the bench again, like you have with Uche and Winovich. I think you got to put him out there and see what he can do.
0: Yeah, it, we're, we're at the point here with these day two linebacker picks, whether they're on the ball linebackers, outside linebackers, or inside linebackers. You have Uche, Jennings, Magrone, Ronnie. Burke. Uh, McGrone's different. He's hurt. Right, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like at some point, you got to get these guys on the field and see what they can yeah. do. And yeah. I, I think that Jason Windovich is in that same category, but maybe they've already seen what he can do. He's, he's a decent amount already in the Patriot system. I'm not sure if he's the answer here, but I, Mike Reese threw this out here today as an analysis on, on ESPN. What gives with these day two guys, right? Why are these, day, you know, we're talking about two of them here in Winovich and Ronnie Perkins. Why are, is it development? Is it talent evaluation and, uh, you know, player development combined? Uh, what's the situation here? Because they've drafted, what, four or five of these guys in the last couple of drafts. And none of them have really ascended to being full-time players or big time producers or playmakers for the Patriots defense. And
1: I, I just think you got to figure out a way to get them on the field. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. And look, there was a portion of the year last year where Matthew Judon and Kyle Van Or were playing so well that the snap just weren't there. But this year you have a chance to thin that out. Just don't add, just don't add somebody to the logjam, right? I think they can maybe figure out there might be an odd man out, whether it's Winovich or Anthony Jennings. But I think they can make it work with who they have now. But they they have to want to make it work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for everybody wondering, this is not the fire alarm in my apartment. This is the apartment fire alarm, like the building. So I, there's nothing I can do about it, unfortunately. We're Isaiah like 10 Wyn- seconds away from like some firefighter breaking into your apartment. Just uh, you uh, uh, somebody burnt popcorn or something. Isaiah Win. We've talked about trading Isaiah Win quite a few times. Not. The, I say that so nonchalantly, like, oh, just change this entire guy's life. But Isaiah Wynn, another guy, fifth-year option, do almost $11 million. I wonder if the Patriots could pull off an NBA, MLB-style trade and ship Isaiah Wynn, Chase Winovich, and a pick to Atlanta for Calvin Ridley, for example, right, And, and try to incentivize that trade package. So you don't necessarily have to give up what your first round pick for Calvin Ridley by maybe throwing in some of these guys that have some talent, but aren't necessarily panning out here.
1: I think, I think it's something you have to look at and it's a good tackle draft. And if you bring Trent Brown back, you have Brown and on Look, there's a lot of unknowns here is actually what I should say, because you know, how do they view it? Is he a guy they believe that they will pay long-term and whether they should or not is another conversation, but do they think they pay win long-term? Are they going to bring Trent Brown back? Are they going to bring one year? over, years? Alex. Is it off? All right.
0: It's off. There we go. Keep um, going.
1: Are they going to bring Brown back for one year, for multiple years? How do they view Mike Onwenu? Do they view him as a tackle or as a guard? There's – you know, what's Ted Karras' status? There's so right. many moving pieces on the offensive line, and ultimately they have at least four starting caliber players coming back. So they're in good shape. Um, excuse me again. But they need to uh, – they they need – they need a, you need to pick a path, right? right? They need to pick a path, and I, I think trading win is an interesting one. You need to be able to do some other things. Again, what – is Trent Brown going to stay for for a team-friendly deal? I think they would do it. Would he do it, or is he going to want to go get paid again, which he has every right, right to? So that's a trade that has to happen right before the draft because I think there's other questions that need to be answered, and it sucks because one of them that we we just won't know the answer to until the summer is – do they view Michael Owenu as a tackle or a guard? He played guard in college, comes out last year, plays tackle by necessity, is amazing. They tried putting him at guard this year, it didn't work out so well. They seemed pretty committed to it. I think he's a tackle. I think he's a tackle. I think that's the best use of the asset is keep him a tackle. But they've got to uh, they got they got to make that decision. I think this year, and it screws the development too. You can't keep bouncing back and forth. Shout out for the USFL question. I uh, yeah,
0: answer. I have a few Alex Barth questions I want to get to here before okay. we wrap up. But as we're talking about this and we're talking about Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams was brought up earlier in the chat as well. I do find the angle of the first round pick that the Patriots didn't have the ability to draft at the time. Bill going out and getting that, a guy that they had rated extremely highly, right? Like, I, I don't know what their uh eval or, or their grade was on mike williams in his draft in what 2019 now that would be 19 draft 18 draft somewhere around there yes I that's don't, right i don't know what they thought of him back then but when you look of, from the back uh, of history really for bill until basically last year i would say when it, they broke all their rules right they just went crazy and broke all their rules the one guy that you always stand out that says oh this was a huge free agent signing for the Patriots and the surprise was Stefan Gilmore and Gilmore was, I think the 10th pick in his draft. He was, he was up there. He was a top 10, top 15 guy. The Patriots are picking at the back of the draft during the Brady era at the time. It is an interesting conversation of they tend to like those types of guys, right? They tend to like the first round guys. Hey, the the guys that they can go and they can uh, buy low on like a Calvin Ridley or even like a, and linebacker, a name that I've kind of thought about a little bit is Leighton Vanderesh, right? Is somebody that could have been a fit in that draft, but they didn't end up going that route or they weren't able to pick him because he wasn't available. I, I do like that angle of it a little bit. And Isaiah Wynn. Is one of these guys that maybe you ship off and you make right on that draft. Not saying Isaiah wynn has been a terrible player for them, but I don't think it's panned out exactly how you would hope a top twenty-five pick in the draft would at a, at a left tackle position. So it's a really interesting. Uh, last year aside, I think you got to throw that out because last year doesn't count. They they did all sorts of things that broke a lot of tendencies for them. In terms of what they typically pay for, it's that premier talent at the top of the first round that they weren't necessarily going to be able to get in the draft.
1: Yeah, sorry, you cut. You actually cut out there for a second. Say okay. that last part again. Uh, yeah, the, the show's going so well.
0: Oh yeah. Awesome. Uh, the premier talent at the top of the draft that yeah. does ultimately hit free agency, like a Mike Williams, uh, somebody along those lines is are typically the guys that they target in free. Right.
1: Agency. Well, can I tell you who I'm worried? About? It, it's a different position, but can I tell you who I'm worried they're going to sign? Yes. Eli Apple.
0: Oh, you think
1: it would be, I mean, he's a big physical oh, his, corner his attitude stinks. One time, first round pick. Uh, they're gonna think they can fix him. They're gonna. I could so see them bringing him back on short money.
0: I guess. Yeah. I mean, I. I just, it's I,
1: it's it's just funny you brought that line of thinking up because that's what I've been thinking with Eli Apple's. Here's a former first round, not that long ago, was a first yeah. round pick, 2016, stock in the absolute basement. That's where they. That's where they like to strike.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. This is the Alex Barth question okay. of the entire draft cycle for 2020. might be of the
1: entire off season. I the know what you're talking about. The entire
0: off season, the entire draft, the entirety of his Patriots coverage on 985thesportshub.com is going to be surrounded by this question, Alex, will the Patriots trade Jake Bailey and draft Matt ariza at punter? You tell me that this punter is Ray Guy 2.0, right? He's he better is, He's better than Ray Guy. He's the consensus go, best of all time. Go Ray watch is the Tom Brady of punting. What a guy this? said. He's better. all right. Give me your take. Is this going to happen?
1: Yeah. He's a legitimate weapon. He's a legitimate. I mean, 51 yards per kick NCA record, six kicks over 60 yards, two kicks over 80 yards, both downed inside the 15 yard line. Neither one returned. I mean, come on the guy. Like if Al Davis was still alive, he'd be a first round pick.
0: I genuinely believe
1: that. And Evan, have you even just watched him? Not even like t- watched,
0: just highlights. I've seen a, on my Twitter feed. I've definitely seen some matteries bombs. Yes.
1: So you, you understand like this isn't another punting prospect. This guy is it. different. So and let me
0: ask you a question. Shout though, out right? real quick.
1: Shout out to PFF who, added special teamers just kickers and long snappers didn't add punters and now is adding punters one at a time but hasn't done a raise yet they're just trying to torture me anyway your question
0: okay so let me ask you a question though because one of my favorite days on the beat early on i was in detroit for joint practices with the Patriots and Lions, I sat next to Matt Matt Chatham the entire practice, and we just talked football the entire time. He obviously played a lot on special teams, and in the kicking game, he knows all about punters, kickers, all of it. He knows what everybody's assignments are and everything. He was talking about Jake Bailey, who was a rookie at the time, and he said the concern that you have with guys that are big-legged punters like a Jake Bailey is that they either drive it 350 yards or they shank it. There's no in-between, right? There's no feel or touch on the football. There's no coffin corner punt. There's there's not that much of that, but they can bomb at 75 yards. Bailey does have a little, he has some different clubs in the bag, right? He, right. he can do some different things. But does Matt Ariza have the leg of a God or does he have the entire repertoire as a punter? No,
1: I mean, he he's, he's precise. He's precise. Again, he had for as strong as his leg is, I forget how many t- touchbacks he had. I'll, I'll have to look it up. It's not a lot. Um and by the way, he studies Jake Bailey, so this is another reason Evan you'll like him is he uses a lot of math and analytics oh. to figure out the way he well, wants to play. Who's
0: the golfer that that everybody hates that does that? Bryson
1: DeChambeau? I thought it was so, DeChambeau. Yeah, so there's some there's there's some similarity there, and he studies a lot of Jake Bailey because similar leg power, similar height, weight, all of that. So I, I it's not something I'm worried about with him. Yeah. The other thing is when you invest in gunners like the Patriots do, it's not something you worry about as much. So you have the best gunners. You have guys who can fly down the field and get there. So going back to the original question, would they move on from Bailey? Well, only one punter since the mid 80s has played for the Patriots under two consecutive contracts. And that was Ryan Allen. He got he got his contract extended midway through his rookie year. They then moved on from him to get Bailey, who was Bailey's probably, I mean, a reason a raises the Arisa, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. Meanwhile, Ariza's is probably the best punting prospect since Bailey. So last time there was a guy this good, they broke the mold and went out and got him. And did you so say how like
0: much better is he though? Like how, and we've spent a lot of the, time he, on this. Punter he's he's you, really
1: huh? good. There, there are people who say he would be the best punter in the NFL right now. Okay. And the other right. thing about it is. Jake Bailey's cap hit is the second largest of any punter in the league. They save almost $4 million. It's 3.9 something if they right. cut him or trade him. So that, I mean, that's not an insignificant number. No. So it makes sense for them to move on with Bailey to begin with. They could extend him. But at the same time, well, if there's a generational punting prospect. Yes. Why not go get And, and by the way, he kicks field goals too. Really yeah. good kicker. So I, I just,
0: I don't. To me, if they don't get a razor, it's because he went higher.
1: It's right. because he went off the board before they were picking.
0: So, the interesting thing that you just said to me, two things. One, I, I mentioned the does he just have the big leg and no other clubs in the bag? Because I think what we saw last year, and Jake Bailey was dealing with some injuries and, and things like that. But I think what we saw last year was that when those big legged punters get out of a rhythm, they can shank the ball. Like they can get into a little bit of a funk and and, and not be able to produce at the same level. I don't want to see the same exact thing happen with a guy like Areza, who maybe just doesn't have an off year, ha- has an off couple weeks, gets him out of his rhythm. It's, I'm sure, a very rhythmic position, right? It's just like a golfer. Once your swing gets out of whack, your swing's out of whack, and it's difficult to get it back into form. The other thing I would mention you just mentioned these yeah. kicks, field goals. So Bailey kicks off. I'm sure Reza could do that, too. Yeah, Yeah, he kicked kicked off for San Diego State. How are we talking? Because I think in a dream world, now, punters hold nowadays, right? Because of the rules in practice, in the limited practice amount of practice time, they have punters hold. So, Reza can't hold for himself. So, I guess that does present a little bit of a domino effect if he is the pick, kicker and the punter. But I've always wondered if Bill Belichick would be the guy that would finally have one guy do both to save the roster spot. But maybe I right. just answer my own question with the holder issue.
1: Well, so what you, what you could do in theory is you have, cause the issue is the reason the backup quarterback doesn't hold anymore is that you can't like the offense is practicing at the same time they're right. kicking. Right. So what, what you would need to have, is a, third, is a quarterback. Dedicated, or third quarterback or a dedicated special teamer. Right. If they were to just say, say, Hey, Gunner is just going to be a returner. We're yeah. not going to have him be a part of the offense. He's just a returner. And we, he was the backup holder last year. We saw them go through this. Yeah. If you just wrote off Gunner and said, he's not going to practice with the offense. We're not going to use him on offense. It just is what it is. Then you could have Gunner hold and you would be out of that issue. That would be, and I don't know that they would do it, but that would be the way you do it. Um, by the way, the, the one other number. So I found the touchback number here. This is among uh, FBS punters in terms yeah. of yards per punt. So Matt Areza, again, led NCAA record 51.47 yards per punt. In 73 punts, he had 14 touchbacks. The next closest punter, 58 punts, 11 touchbacks. So that's, what, 12 more punts and three more touchbacks for Ariza.
0: We just spent ten minutes on a punter. That's Patriots' beat. We this dig is, in deeper than anybody else, and you're gonna get ten minutes of punter talk on this podcast. You'll this find is, out no place else.
1: They, they, there are people in the kicking community who believe the way. So, Ar- Arizel was a soccer player, didn't want to play football, became a field goal kicker. He only started punting last year, and so he, he, he's self-taught. And again, the way he did it was studying Jake Bailey and using a lot of math to figure out the most efficient way to kick the ball. There's, there's people in the kicking community who believe this is the future of how punters will develop. Like he's people who think he's legitimately going to change the game. So you like the analytics. I I like the punting. I think this is the guy. I think this is the guy that, that, this is is a
0: guy for both of us. We can agree on both sides of it in
1: the last 10 minutes. Right.
0: Okay. (laughs) uh, A couple of things to end here. Also, Alex, you mentioned this to me today when we were texting about it. You were very disappointed that Ariza was not added to the PFF mock draft simulator. Somebody in the chat is saying that he is now added. i checking right now. check and see if that's the case. I'll bring up this question about Dante Fowler. I don't like Dante Fowler necessarily for the Patriots, but – I want to talk about this in general from this rush linebacker perspective, because yesterday, I think it was yesterday, ESPN published an article about free agency. Your boy's on the mock draft simulator yeah, now. And, and by the way, they have
1: him ranked 159. There you go. So that would fourth, be. fifth round. Fourth round. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Okay. So mock now.
0: Dante Fowler is now a free agent. He was released by Atlanta. I don't love the fit for him here but ESPN also mentioned Chandler Jones as a potential Patriot target in free agency, a Kyle Van Noy situation, or, you know, whatever comparison you want to use, bringing him back. Now, I find it interesting that they mentioned Chandler Jones, the Patriots already have a rush linebacker. His name is Matthew Judon. They have a couple of backup rush linebackers, too. Josh Uche, Chase Winovich, those types of guys. It doesn't seem to me like players like Fowler and Chandler Jones, are you going to play, two of those guys at the same time on I end of the line. Yeah. You can rush the passer really effectively. I don't think you're going to be so disciplined or so great against the run, but you might rack up sack totals with both those guys as bookend edge rushers. But how do you feel about Fowler? How do you feel about a reunion with Chandler Jones? Again, I, I don't know if they have a spot for those guys, given the fact that Judon is going to play a ton.
1: Yeah. So it would be really fun if you had, Matt Judon coming off one edge and, and Chandler Jones coming off the other. That's right. just never they've never schemed it that way. One guy's like the pat
0: third and eleven, right? You know, situation right. like that.
1: But is is Chandler Jones coming here to play situationally? Is Matthew right. Judon gonna take a decreased situational role? There they don't really have much of an offense for those two guys on the a defense for those two guys on the field at the same time because they like to have one guy's pass rusher, the other guy's gonna set the edge and help against the run. That's Judon and Van Noy, right? So it would be fun. It's just they'd have to rework their entire defense to make it happen. And i, I they're not going to pay Chandler, jo- Chandler Jones what they need to pay him to rework their entire defensive system to to put him on. I, I just don't see it. I, I It'd be fun. It would be fun. But it's not schematically how it works.
0: So when Matthew Judon was doing his press tour during Super Bowl week, he was on Felger and Maz. He was on a, f- a couple of different programs here locally. Everybody was prying him on the coaching staff right what's the the situation between gerard mayo and steve belichick do you guys like those two guys Do you guys know who's in charge those types of things but i thought the most interesting thing that he said was once things started to unravel for the patriots at the end of last year that guys were out for themselves they just went out there and tried to make plays right and tried to kind of leave the scheme and and take over because they just wanted to turn the tide i think he was talking about himself quite frankly, right? Because we talked about this a lot on the podcast that Matthew Judon towards the end of the season was kind of out for his, right? He was going out there just to try to get sacks. He was running the arc. He was running past quarterbacks. He was letting go of the edge. When they're undisciplined in this Bill Belichick scheme out on the edge, the whole thing comes crumbling down. It's such a big part of the way that they rush the passer defend the run all of it is setting a firm edge being disciplined out there you add guys like dante fowler and chandler jones and with matthew judon you're gonna have a lot of guys ending up 10 11 yards past you know running past the quarterback right it's right and that's not what they that, want. that's not what they want they need somebody whether it's Kyle Van Noy coming back and having a strong season a draft pick like Ronnie Perkins emerging they need somebody on the other side of Judon that's going to set a strong side edge it's going to be able to do it Kyle Van Noy actually did it pretty consistently for most of the year last year obviously everybody kind of let go of the rope late in the season but for the first 10 11 12 games Van Noy was pretty solid I think that he could Add something, but he could also add four million dollars in cap space if they release him. So that that's another one that we can talk about. Let's end it there. We talked a lot about Matt Ariza for Alex. He got him on his PFF mock draft simulator, so now you know he's just going to take him in every single mock draft under the sun that he does so, moving forward. I usually have a rule on my mock drafts that
1: because I I think it's all about learning what players are on the board where. Right. I usually have a rule in my mock drafts. I don't take a player twice. <clears throat> and two separate mock drafts in an off season. Yeah. I might break that rule this year. I really might. Is that good?
0: Yes. I did fight through the fire alarm for about 15 minutes in this podcast. We got through it though. We did it. And we will be back on Tuesday. We're going to talk some more about the same things that we're talking about. Hopefully we'll have some new information and be able to bring you guys some new info on the Patriots offensive coordinator, offensive coaching staff situation, free agent targets, draft targets. And then we're going to do mock drafts here soon. Uh, we're hoping that PFF, now that they have Ariza on there, maybe, Alex, we can finally start to do a mock draft next well, the, week. Well, for- the
1: issue is the is figuring out the comp picks, and they, 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 they have the Sony Michelle trade weird. They have it, because remember, yeah. originally, it was like a conditional fifth based on a comp pick, and then the league said you can't do that, and they had to rework it. Right. So they need to update. They still have it based on the original conditional pick. They need to update that. Okay, Once they do so, that, yeah, we're good to go. Yeah,
0: the pick order is difficult right now, especially without the comp yeah. picks. You don't really oh, now know. Now we got to see
1: if they added uh, Christian Watson.
0: Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we'll figure that out, but we'll be back on the show on Tuesday. We're going to stick with this Tuesday-Thursday schedule throughout the offseason, so we're not going anywhere here on Patriots Beat. We'll do a bunch of Q&As. We'll do mock drafts. We'll keep it fresh. We'll keep it exciting here in the offseason, and we got a lot to talk about here with the draft and free agency coming up, the combine is March first through the seventh. So we're almost at that point when there should be not only draft talk, obviously, but also a lot of rumors come out at the combine and we start to figure out some of these free agent markets and things like that. So that'll be exciting too. But until Tuesday, signing off for Alex Barth, aka the number one fan in the Matt Ariza fan club. I'm Evan Lazar. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLS Media Network.